Get your Bibles, because that's what we bring to church. Can I get an amen? Get your Bibles out. Pastor, I didn't bring my Bible. We'll bring yours next weekend. If you don't have a Bible, we need to get you a Bible. Amen, because we believe in the Word of God here at the house. We don't believe in emotion or opinion. We believe in the fullness of the Word. So get your Bibles out this morning. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I will tell you what I'm doing over the next four weeks. We're going to talk about love. Yes, I'm being cliche because it's February and it's Valentine's week, Valentine's month and all that stuff. And let me just say this to you real quick for all you couples. I don't understand why we need a Valentine's Day. If you loved your spouse all year long, you wouldn't need one. My wife's over there. I'm still getting candy. Amen. But what I'm saying is, is it's amazing to me. We've created holidays to celebrate things that we should be doing all the time. We create moments to do things to step out of character rather than it becoming our character. And the reason I'm, the reason I'm saying this is because we have not uncovered the fact that love is the character of God. <laughs> well, thank you, Paul, for amening me. I appreciate you on that one set. Everybody's like, I'm still wanting my candy. Okay, I get it. But the truth of the matter is, is that we, 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 this is a characteristic that is struggling not only in the world, but in church people, in believers. Because love is something that requires more of you than it does of him. It requires you to create greater space on the inside of you to allow more of him in to affect and change you and to use you as a vessel of his love. The problem is, is that we only love what we want to love and then we hate everything else. Can I get an amen from somebody? I, I, I've watched people say things on social media over this whole saints thing and say that they, the, the ref should die and all. I'm like, brother, seriously, is it that serious? It's not. It's not the end of the world. Listen, let me let me just say this to you for all of you saints fans. If the loss of two weeks ago is affecting your life that much, then God does not have a hold of who you are. Now you can have your opinions, you can have your emotions, you can be like my wife and post one thing a day on social media. For those of you that aren't following, just go look. It's just a saint's rant. And I get it because she's a fan and she's, she's, she loves her saints. But the truth of the matter is I've watched people walk away from God over this mess because they turn into somebody completely different than who God's made them to be. I've watched spiritual people say ignorant, stupid things towards other people because they didn't agree with their opinion about the game. Get over it. We got things to do in the earth. Trust me, another football season's coming around. You're going to be just fine. Let me read this to you this morning because this is where we're going to be for the next four weeks because I need to make sure you get this. And I will tell you this. I preach this series once a year. So if you've heard it again, praise God, listen to it again. If you've heard this five times, it's okay. You need to hear it again because the Bible says that God is a handout. It says that God is a sugar daddy. It says that God is my blessings. It says that God is love. That's the only thing it says. Maybe it's time that we learn this together and start walking in this as believers. It says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am Nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need you this morning to touch our hearts, not our minds. Affect the life on the inside of us so that we can demonstrate your love in the earth. Help us today to learn how to love like you love rather than how we've been loving all of this time. Help, we defi- help us to find your heartbeat, your pulse in this moment so that we can be in one accord, so that we can dis- display and demonstrate your love to everyone we come in contact with. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. This morning I want to start this series called Love Is, but let me give you some quick reference points. According to Amazon.com, there are at least 32,507 books currently in print with the words love in the title. Over 145,000 that deal with the subject of love. Over 11,000 popular albums or digital albums, however you want to put it today, has love in the title. If you were to do a Google search on the internet, you discover at least 121 million websites that use the word love as one of their keywords or search words. You can't deny how important love is to our culture, to any culture really, but the reason it's so important is because we lack it. It's amazing that everyone has an epiphany about how to love people and everybody buys the products because we're not loving. We're just existing. We're being nice, but we're not loving. And let me say this to you, being nice and loving are two different things. They're completely two different emotions. But in order for you and I to walk in love, then we must first understand love. But to understand love, you first have to know that God is love. Love outside of God is not love, but rather a fading emotion. With God is the only way true love can come about. And over the next four weeks, we're going to discover the love of God and what he expects of each of us as a believer and begin to walk in the fullness of it. So go back with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Go with me to the top of verse 4. We're going to break down some of this this morning, and we're going to continue on through the next three weeks. Y'all ready? Here it comes. The first one here. And you always got to start with it tough, right? He says, love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long. Let's just stop right there for a second. Love suffers. I don't want love. It says I got to suffer. Love suffers long. Another version says that love is patient and is kind. I looked up the word patient. The word patient in the Greek comes from, and I'm probably going to mess this word up, but I'm going to say it as best as I can, a word macrothumine, which means to be patient with people and not with circumstances. Love is patient with people. It's not that you have to suffer long. It's that you have to be patient with people. How many of you have a problem with patience? I see y'all in Walmart. Don't play. <laughs> How many of y'all have a problem with being patient when you got to get somewhere? And it seems like the moment you got to get from point A to point B, everybody forgets how to drive the speed limit. Yep. <laughs> or they just pull in front of you and you move and you're just doing this and you're like, no, I can't stand impatient people. I was, I was in the car the other day with my daughter and, and, and I was, okay, can I just have a flesh moment with you for a second? Is that okay? And don't look at me like I'm less holy of the story I'm about to tell you. I pulled out on, on Old Spanish Trail. This woman comes, and this woman comes flying up behind me. And I mean, I, I, literally, I felt like she was eating my back bumper. We're sitting at the stoplight, okay? Now, I'm, 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 I drive the speed limit. Okay, I drive over the speed limit. But for those of you, the police officer in the room, I drive the speed limit. Praise God. Uh, and, and you can join my club later. Amen. Uh, and so, so I'm sitting there, and we're sitting at the light, and she's... She's so close to the behind of me, I can see her whole face in my rear view mirror, in my side view mirror. 
That's how close. I'm driving an expedition, baby. You know how close she had to be. So I'm looking. The light hadn't even turned green yet. She's like, she's having a seizure in the car, like a fit. And I'm looking at her. And so the light turns green and I'm, I'm easing out. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing. She starts throwing her hands, all this stuff. She whips in between my car and the other car, almost clips the car to my left and almost clips my back end and then pulls past me and throws me a hand gesture. Okay, carnal side of Pastor Brian. I drive an expedition with a V8. I chased her for a minute, I won't lie. Love was not moving in my spirit. I was going to tell her something. How dare you? I got my little girl in this car. You acting like a fool. You need to learn something. And my daughter's going, Daddy, stop. Daddy, stop. What are you doing, Dad? I'm like, no, she's going to get a piece of my mind. Man, she was gone. Hope goes, Hope goes, Dad, she's gone. I'm like, I'm going to get her anyway. Okay. It's amazing how impatient people are today. And let me help with something. Impatience disqualifies your ability to love them with the love of God. Mm-hmm. You ever been in Walmart and you, you go to that 20 item line yes. and that person's got 42.3 items right. and you just came out of church on a Sunday and you're standing like this? It says 20. I don't know why, I don't know why people do this all the time. It, it says 20 and they just do it anyway. They don't care. They don't care. Here's the problem. Maybe that person with the 42.3 items was put in front of you to help you learn something. Slow down. Because you're missing the world around you. You are too much in a hurry. Patience with people. If you learn how to be patient with people, you'll learn how to slow down and take in what's happening around you. You'll learn how to love people more. You'll actually learn how to smile more. Amen. Can I just say this as a sidebar? Church folk are not really good at this, and that's that word called smile. It's amazing people look at me, man, I love the Lord. Really? You love him? I love the Lord. Can you look like it? Can you tell your face to understand what your heart knows? Help it. Smile. Look, it's amazing to me. We'll have this issue with people, this impatient space. But it describes here a patience with people, even the ones who have wronged you. And you even have the opportunity to take revenge but choose not to. A person who is slow to anger but quick to love. This patient is not a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength. It's amazing. We declare God, but we do not act godly to people. But we do this, and I'm probably going to hurt your ears with this. But this is how we literally say, get out of my way. Wait, here you go. That's my seat on Sunday. Stop singing like Pastor Troy. I heard you amen on the front row. Some of y'all need one of these at Walmart. You're in my line. Get out of the way. Move. It's my space. No, it's not. It's his space. You just get an opportunity to dwell in that space. But this is what, listen, I hear more of this out of people than I do love out of people. I, I used to be, well, okay, so I'm a little more tattling on pastor for just a moment. My wife says I have road rage. And there's probably some truth to that. 
because I don't like incompetent drivers. I think there should have to be a test for everybody every year to renew their driver's license because we'd have less drivers on the planet. I promise you that. Because some people just cannot drive. Can I get an amen from somebody? And you know, it's funny, all of us are amen, and we're probably part of that team. Amen. Because <laughs> somebody thinks we can't drive. Okay. But my wife, when we were dating, she came to, that, she came to the apartment one day, and she's like, I'm, I, I was so frustrated coming home. I was like, what happened? She goes, I just wanted to ram the car in front of me. <laughs> what? You, some of y'all looking like, she's like me. Yes, I know. And I'm like, babe, like, she's like, I don't know what it was. Someone just came over me and I was honking my horn and I just want to ram my car into the back because they're not going fast enough. But that's how we treat life. That's how we treat people. If they're not going where we're going, we're going to ram them off the road. If they're not doing what we want them to do, we're going to ram them off the road. Love suffers long. He has called you to be patient with people. Please put away your horns. We're tired of hearing your horns. Your worship sometimes sounds like horns. Because it's, 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 it's trippy to me. It, it, it freaks me out. I worship you. Why they sit next to me? got to move over now. It's it just, it, it, we're, not, we're not doing it anymore. We're not opening up seats for people to sit next to us. We're not loving people that walk in the doors of the church. We're not loving people outside the doors of the church. We wonder why the world's not changing for the kingdom of God. It's running to the world and making that its kingdom. You have to be patient with people even the ones that have wronged you and haven't apologized yet. You have to be patient with people. It says love suffers long. And love is kind. That word kindness is defined as sweet to all. To who? All. all. If you have a problem with somebody in this room and you have not gotten it under the blood, then you are not walking under love. You're walking under emotion. And majority of it is opinion. What I've learned over the years is a lot of people assume they know what's going on. So they create a space, and what they believe is not even the truth. Well, so-and-so thinks this about me, or so-and-so said it. And we never go to that person to find out what happened. And so we create this sour mentality in the church. Let me help with something. I have talked to more people that do not come to church, and this is what the consensus is of most people I talk to. Why would I go to a church when it acts just like the world? I can do that at home. I said, what do you mean? They said, Pastor, churches are cliques. I said, what do you mean by that? They go, you walk in the room, and if you don't fit into the social elite club, you don't feel like you're a part of the family. I can feel lonely at home, which saddens my heart. Because where has the church become the place that the world can't come to? We've become a social elite club. We've got to change this. How do we change this? We've got to love people. We've got to start being sweet to all. One of my favorite chocolates is Hershey Kisses. And all of y'all are thinking right now, Pastor, throw me some kisses. I want some chocolate. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you wanted some chocolate. Amen. I'm glad y'all want some chocolate. Amen. Look, all the front row. All the sounds like, give me some chocolate. Now, if this hits you in the eye, don't get mad at me and don't write me a letter. You're not using my, my liability insurance to get you out. Amen. Amen. There you go. There's some Hershey kisses. Here we go. Here we go. Ready here. I'll throw them a little lighter. Ready, guys? Ready? Ready? Look, my wife's holding her hand out. There you go. There you go. All right. Praise the Lord. Look, I got to go home with her. Y'all work with me for a second, okay? 
Y'all were, here you go, here you go. Sorry, she kisses. Why are y'all ducking your heads? No wonder you're getting hit with them. You put your hand up. All right. You're not worshiping the Hershey Kisses. Amen. All right, calm down. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll be nice now. Here, y'all can, here, here, Paul, go love people. All right, go love people. Amen. Okay, now, now I'll let, listen, if you want a Hershey Kiss, they'll be at the table. You can come steal them. Youth, you're not allowed. Amen. It says be sweet to all. I was just demonstrating. Calm down. But the teenagers are always the first one to come ask me, are you going to do that? One time I did a sermon. One time I had snacks. They're all come running me. Pastor, what you doing with that honey bun after church? I'm taking it to my office. You're not going to let me have it? No. Sat in my desk for two days. Amen. Just to prove a point. No, I'm just kidding. It says, love is sweet to all. What are you being sweet to? Your, your, your wants, your needs, your desires? Or are you being sweet to everybody? Some of y'all walk around with Sour Patch Kids in your face. Yeah, man, if I could take a picture of some people sometimes, man, I'd be like, man, Jesus doesn't even dwell amongst you, much less in you. Because what, what you're demonstrating or displaying, nobody wants to be a part of. How can you say, man, you got to watch this, watch this, watch this. Brian, where do you go to church? Brian, I go, I go to the house. Well, tell me about it. It's, it's a great church. Well, tell me about it, man. Pastor's, Pastor's funny. He's a good preacher, and, and uh, the worship's really good. You already really let it come. <laughs> Guess where I'm not going to church this Sunday? <laughs> Let me help you with that. Uh, uh, tell me about your God. Man, he's a great God. Man, he's done so much for my life. So good. So good. So good. Whew. He's good. Man, when he comes in the room and he moves in the place, I just get so excited. Show me your excited face. I am. This is me. So excited about God. It's, it's just that there's no demonstration anymore. When God comes in the room, we're like, yeah. No, we're like, when's lunch? He only got until an hour and a half. I mean, he needs to get out of here. Now, the church down the road, they do it in 45 minutes. And you can put your Jesus in your box and take it home too. Amen. Truth of the matter is, is that we're not sweet to everybody. We are unkind. We are, we're, we're not demonstrating that sweetness. I mean, like, hold open the door for somebody and wait long enough for them to get to the door. Don't have to be the first in line everywhere, but learn how to be the last. Because blessing someone and being sweet to someone will create a greater space for you to receive the love of God on the inside of you. It will expand you on the inside. It is not being sweet to the ones that are sweet back. It's being sweet to the ones that refuse to be sweet back. Because you don't attract them with the sourness. You attract them with the sweetness. And if you're not being sweet, baby, they're not coming to find out what you got. Pastor, I'm trying to win my neighbor. Well, how do you look at them when they come out the door? I make this face. Yeah, they're probably not coming to talk to you, and I can tell you why, because I wouldn't want to talk to you either. When I go to work, and, and I'm sitting at work, and, and I'm trying to win my boss for the Lord, yeah, but what do you say about him when he walks away? I'm going to win him to the Lord. No, you are pushing him two steps deeper into hell, because you will not be saying, listen, we got to stop basing what we do for people based on the reciprocation of what they'll give us back, but yet just do it because it dwells on the inside of us, and it might be a moment for us to demonstrate the love of God. But we have created a culture of give me, give me, give me, so I'll only give you if you give me. 
or I won't give you till you give me first. And that's got to change in us. We have to not only love or be patient with people, but we have to learn how to be kind. So many Christians, so many believers are good, but unkind. This is not a form of love that we can choose to turn on and off, but that we are all sweet to all people. To all, not just your kind or the ones that deem you worthy. We have to, we have to be kind. Get anything out of this yet? Good. I'm going to give you a couple pieces this morning. It goes on in that same verse of Scripture. It says, love does not envy. Love does not envy. I got stories for this one for days. The word envy means coveting others' belongings. In other words, love doesn't need anything. If you are walking in the love of God, you don't care what other people have and what you don't have. You celebrate what others have received because you know and recognize that when you celebrate the goodness of God for other people, it opens up the ability for God to now be good to you. You understand that when you celebrate, even in your lack, other people that have received greater than you, then what it does is it causes your eyes to be open to what God wants to give to you. The reason you haven't gotten what God wants to give you yet is because your eyesight is narrow to the things that the other, that other people have rather than the blessings that God wants to bestow upon you. I do not want your house. I want my house. If I see you have a better house than me, I'm not going to get mad. Thank God you got a better house than me. But I'm going to celebrate how great your house is because I know and understand that if I celebrate your house, then I will finally be able to see mine. But we keep narrow. We keep narrow. We keep narrow. Well, they got a new car. How'd they get a new car? How'd they do that? Why don't I have a new car? Ah, because you're not willing to celebrate others. You're envious. You're envying on other people. It was funny to me when I was, uh, when I was in Tampa uh, and I was working in our youth department, there was a guy, our youth pastor in the church, him and his wife, a guy walked up on a Sunday morning. This is crazy, okay? Guy who had his own business walked up on a Sunday morning, walked up to our youth pastor and handed him a keys to a brand new Mercedes. Praise God. I don't want a Mercedes. Don't ever think I want a Mercedes. That's too much upkeep for me. I am too much of a Southern boy to have to deal with that mess. Okay, amen. I want somebody to beat up and, and just do life. And amen. I got four kids. You got to be able to beat it up. Okay. And so he handed Mercedes. What was amazing to me was after he got the Mercedes, staff in the church started looking down on him because he had something they didn't have. And this statement he said to me, and it has stuck with me this my entire life. He says, you're not mad at what I've got. You're mad at what you haven't received yet. You're not mad at me. You're mad at my blessings. You're mad at the goodness of God in my life, which means you're not operating in the goodness of God. You're operating in the emotion and the opinion of yourself. You're operating in the spirit of pride. And so here's the thing. When you come to me and say, Pastor, I got a brand new house. I'm going to be pumped. Pastor, I bought my first home. I'm going to be pumped. Pastor, I got a brand new car. I'm going to be pumped. Marcelo has his Corvette. He pulls in. Okay, I'm a little envious. <laughs> Just a smidge. But I learned to get over it. Because I'm celebrating that God has been good to him. Because here's the thing. I don't really want a Corvette. I want, I want a Ford F-150 King Ranch Edition. With little sidebars that fall out when you open up the door. That's me. That's just what I want. All leather interior, all night. That's what I want. So when the, the Corvette, it's cool. 
But I can't be envious because I know that God's got something for me. I'm driving around a Ford Expedition with 182,000 miles on it. God's got something for me. You go, Pastor, that's not it. It is it right now. Because I'm embraced in the space that I don't need to be envious of everybody else's stuff. Stop. Okay, I got to be, I got to go here real quick. If Facebook, if Instagram causes you to comparatively live your life based on what other people have, I need to tell you this. You need to turn off your Facebook. You need to disconnect your account. And you need to stop looking at that foolishness because you are being robbed of the love of God. Because the moment that spirit creeps up on the inside of you, you can no longer celebrate what God has done in someone else's. Therefore, God can now no longer move in you because you are operating in a spirit of pride and you're operating in a spirit of envy. And you cannot love people because you are too frustrated to love people. So shut it down. It was funny to me. So many people told me they fasted social media during the fast. They're like, Pastor, it's like freeing. I said, I know. So I tell you all all the time, don't send me a bunch of messages on Facebook. I don't see them because I don't get on it. Because let me just be honest with you. I start seeing things, and then the danger for me as pastor is that I see what people do, and then I start writing messages about it. Just being honest with you. It gets all up in my crawl space. And all of a sudden, I'm pinning stuff. I'm going, that is not nice. You guys can't write that. But this needs to be said right now in the church, all based on one person's actions. Because I, it's what it does to you. But, but I just need you to understand this. Listen, you got to embrace what God's done for you. If you live in, in, in anywhere, if you live in a one-bedroom apartment, if you live in a two-bedroom apartment, if you live in a, in a mobile home, if you live in a, a condo, if you live in a big house, a small house, you live in an old house, a new house, it doesn't matter. Will you just be happy what God's done for you? Listen, anybody here ever been Homeless. Homeless. That life sucks. And when I say homeless, I don't mean like you're in transition from one home to the next. I'm talking about sleeping in your car, Jack. That is pain. And I've told my wife this. I said, I, 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 over the years, I have learned that when you've walked through that season, anything is a blessing. Maybe put me in a cardboard box. As long as I'm not getting wet tonight, we're good. But you got to understand that it gives me the space to rejoice over the blessings that God has for me. I cannot be envious of your blessings. It's like this. It's, it's like, it's, hey, Pastor Dylan, come here. I'm not going to throw anything at you this week, I promise. Um, uh, the, these are just, they, these don't mean anything. Uh, one's a basketball award. I don't know if you ever played basketball, but if you did, well, praise God. Um, you are kind of tall, so I would hope that you maybe did. Uh, but, of course, I, I untangled all of these, and then they retangled themselves. Um, here, here's the thing. It, it's, it's amazing to me that we can have moments in life. I won't mess up your hair. It's okay. Um, and and, and we, can, we can have victories in life. And, and God keeps bestowing blessings upon us. And then what happens is in the church is that we come in and see that he's blessed. And we start wanting to take them off of him. But you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. What happens is, what happen, the reason why we take them off is because we want to make him equal to us. I need him to look like me, feel like me, act like me. So I need to remove his benefits. I need to remove his blessings. I need to remove his rewards that he's received God because, from God because I need him to be like me. Let me help with something. God will never put this around your neck if you cannot let him reward others around you. You've got to leave this thing alone. And it doesn't mean that you worship him. It doesn't mean that you, you, oh, you're so great. You do miracles so great. No, that's not what he's asking you to do. He's saying, man, celebrate the blessings in his life because it'll prepare your neck to receive yours. It's, it's amazing to me. 
uh, I, I was, I, I, I love you. I, I could never sing like that. I could never play an instrument. It's because you're not trying. I used to think the same thing until I got in the right place with the right people. And then I started learning there was an ability in me. Now, for you, for you people that, that aren't gifted in this area, that doesn't mean you can't ever do it. You just haven't had the right training yet. Or you haven't tuned your ear yet. Because I've watched people that are completely tone deaf turn into being great singers. Seriously. Pastor Troy's over here smiling. Praise the Lord. There's hope for me yet. But what happens is, is that when people get up on the platform, I, you know... I, or people get picked for things in the church before you did. Or, or, or the, the world acknowledges somebody before it acknowledges you. And you go, but I've done all these things, and why don't they see me? And why? Listen, that spirit will put a roadblock to you receiving what God has for you. God cannot bless, cannot pour into a vessel that refuses to have that stuff wiped out of it. God says, you have to celebrate. Stop being envious of everyone's blessings and celebrate what I've done in your life. That will prepare you for the next level. Celebrate others. Celebrate others. Celebrate others. Like when Tiff and I got the van, church folk got mad. No, oh, I say it all the time. And mom was like, you should stop saying that. No, I need, I need people to know. We bought a Honda Odyssey, a used Honda Odyssey. And it wasn't cheap because I paid a note. It wasn't cheap. People go, how did he get a Honda Odyssey? That's a, that's a top-of-the-line van. The goodness of God. How did he get? Because God wanted me to have it, and he brought me to the right place to get it, and it just happened to happen, and that's how it's going to be. Well, I don't have a Honda Odyssey, and you're never going to have a Honda Odyssey because you can't celebrate what God's done in someone else's life. Therefore, you will never see the blessings of God because you're too caught up in where you're standing. You're too caught up where you've planted your feet instead of where God wants to take you. But when we were, see, what nobody knows is that my wife had the truck, the expedition, and I was driving a Jeep that was dying. Can I tell you something? When we drove the Jeep to trade it in, I got $300 for the Jeep, just the metal. Because when we pulled it in the parking lot, the engine just went. <laughs> well, we don't ever talk about that. We just talk about what he's got. But you didn't know the hell I went through driving that Jeep for two years where I just kind of went. Nah, 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 nah. Until it died. It sat in this parking lot for two months. Before we ever traded the stupid thing in. And by the grace of God, it started just to get it to the dealership down the road. You know how embarrassing it was pulling that sucker into the dealership? They go, can we have the keys? Sure, you can have them. I don't know if you're going to get anywhere. They come back and they go, yeah, it, it's being towed right now. Sorry, can we still get the car? Praise the Lord. Yeah. So the truth of the matter is, is that people, people see what we have, but they don't know the hell you went through to get it. So you got to learn how to celebrate. Because let me help you something I'm going to say as a sidebar. If you can't celebrate somebody else's blessings, you might have to walk through the same hell that they went through to get to that blessing. <sighs> you want to keep wearing the medals? You feel big? You can keep wearing them. Okay. We got to start celebrating each other. Love celebrates people. Love celebrate. Somebody comes and goes, Pastor, we got engaged. Yes, not, well, I'm waiting on my man or my wife. Why won't God give it to me? Because you don't have enough faith to believe for it. You don't, want, you don't know what they went through to get to that. Man, celebrate people. Cel Stop being envious of what people have. People got more money than me. I'm okay with that. People got bigger churches. My daughter asked me, I think it was, yeah, my daughter asked me, they said, what would we do if we had a church that big? I'd cry. I'm not ready for that season. 
But I know the people who have big churches like that and the hell they had to go through to get to that season. My pastor, he went through hell to get to the church he's got right now. Whoo, I can tell you some stories. He was a youth pastor for Jimmy Swaggart when he fell. Oh, that was hell number one. <laughs> then he went and started a church, and the janitor was doing some illegal things with children before he actually took over the church. Got sued. Cleared the lawsuit, but had to go through court for all that. Left, went, moved, moved away to try to get away from all the craziness. Now he's in a big church. Now he's seeing all this fruit. But all the stuff he had, man, you better be careful what you ask for. Ooh, I want a Mercedes, man. I want a Mercedes. Do you know what it takes to upkeep a Mercedes? Hello. And not everybody work. Okay, that's just sidebar. That's just stuff. I'm just saying. Stop being envious of what everybody has. Be joyful for the moment that you're in. I rejoice over the 140 that are sitting in this room right now. I rejoice because you know what? Let me tell you something. We're not sitting in my living room anymore. I'm not having homeowners association meetings because they want to kick me out of the neighborhood because I'm having church service while the guy two doors down had a keg party two nights ago and there was 52 cars on the street, but nobody said nothing about it, but I want to have church service in my living room and they all want to have a meeting about it. Oh no, that's what I've been through. You go from one building to another because things don't work out. You got to go to a theater. You got to leave this building. You got to go there. And now we're finally here. I am rejoicing over where we are. That means I'm ready for whatever's next, but baby, I'm excited about where I am. Can you do that for somebody else as well? Love does not envy. It does not, it does not get jealous over other people's stuff. It doesn't get jealous over their blessings. It doesn't get jealous over the goodness of God in their lives. Love produces. It does not kill or steal. You cannot afford to be a life robber and let envy take over. Your blessing comes when you can rejoice over someone else. So not only is love suffer long or love is patient with people and love is kind, it's sweet to all, but love doesn't want, it doesn't need anything. It is love. It doesn't want everybody else's stuff. It is satisfied in who it is. Here's the last two for you. You ready? It goes on and says, love does not parade itself. The word parade is defined as this, a large public procession, usually including a marching band and often of a festive nature. Pastor Ben, come here real quick. Hurry fast. I'm running out of time. Amen. Love does not parade itself. Have you ever seen somebody love somebody? I need, I need the bass player. I need a drummer up there. Y'all get up there real quick. I need y'all's help real fast. Love doesn't need a parade. Have you ever seen somebody? Look what I love. Look, I love them. Look what I did. Look, look, look. I loved them. I feel so much better about myself. Look, I, I love them. Let me tell you something. Let me, let, me, let me say this real quick to you. Those acts of love cards, don't go there just yet. Just hang loose for me for a second. I moved them here somewhere. I don't need you to come report to me that you gave away an act of love. Pastor, I gave away three this week. It was so cool. Was, look what I did. That's not the love of God. That's the love of yourself. Because you were looking for a parade when you handed it out. You were looking for somebody to celebrate you when you handed it out. You better understand that God celebrates you. Some of y'all think y'all are shaft and need background music. As you walk down the street, some of you think you need some kind of a song behind you to lead you. Look how cool I am. Look how awesome I am. God says, no, in me, in me, you're everything in the world. You're nothing. They're trying to figure out where they're going back there. <laughs> love doesn't need a parade. You don't need a worship team singing your praises. Once you love somebody, you better be able to love them because if the love of God dwells on the inside of you, it is not hard to love people. 
They're trying. They're working at it. They're working at it. They're working at it. Somewhere we're going to get it. Oh, yeah. Now I can love. Look at me, guys. You know, this is... Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Y'all, okay, bring it down. Okay, here, here's, here's the problem. This is what we need. We, well, as soon as I love somebody, we expect the music to play. What if the band never plays? Can you still love? Can you love if no one celebrates you? Can you love if no one honors you because you did it? Can you just love? Listen, the world doesn't honor God's sacrifice, but he still did it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For whomsoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We know the scripture. But it says there that God loved the world. Even the ones that cursed him. Even the ones that defamed him. Even the ones that didn't care about him. He still loved them enough to send Jesus to the cross. So why, why is it? God's not going, wait, where's my parade? God goes, I am. I just am. I am love. Give me that beat again. Like, this is what happens in the church. We gotta have music so we can strut our stuff. Look. Look how cool I am. Look, I love everybody. Look at me. Look at me. I love everybody. Stop. Problem is, when it's all said and done, you'll be the last one left in the room. Because God can't dwell in the spirit of pride. You do not need a parade. You need to know that you are acting as your father in the earth. For the Bible says that you are his hands and his feet. Stop trying to get people to acknowledge what God is doing on the inside of you, which should be your normal, regular response to the rest of the world. I don't know if I can do an act of love. You Then you can't. How can you not do that? I, that blows my I can't, I, just can't, I can't take those cards. Why? Because it's going to make me have to do something I don't want to do. Then you need to ask God to break the spirit of anger off of you. And the spirit of pain and the spirit of the past and the spirit of your struggles so that you can begin to love people. And let me tell you this. If you cannot love your family, don't try to love everybody else. Learn how to love them first. That is the greatest place that you can start. And if you've got family members that have done you wrong, love them even more. Because when God can break that pain of the past off of you that causes you to love the people that have hurt you the deepest, then you will have a greater space to love others. Let me say this to you. You cannot love anybody else until you love you. Somebody said, no, we got to love everybody. The Bible says, love your neighbor as who? Yourself. Man, it'd be amazing what we, if, we, if we comparatively looked at those two spaces and we understand why we can't love our neighbors because we don't love us yet. So we got to let the love of God come in. That's what changes us. Then the love of God comes in and now manifests itself on the inside of us, wipes away the pain, and gives us the ability to love others. But why is it that we need somebody to celebrate us? I am bothered when people come to me and go, Pastor, I, I, I got so-and-so saved. As if we have the power to save people. No, it is Christ that dwells in us. Jesus saved them. He just used me as a vessel. I, I, I listen to terminology. I listen to how people talk sometimes. I listen to things that come out of their mouth. And I understand that sometimes it's because we're looking to be seen. We're looking for the spotlight. We're looking for somebody to know, uh, for, uh, for us to notice us, for the world to notice us. Don't, what if the world never notices you? Will you still love? Or do you need somebody to acknowledge your love? 
If you need somebody to acknowledge the fact that you're loving, it's because you do not love and you have not received his love. Love does not parade itself. Some of us, the minute we love, we feel as though the world has to know it rather than just love because that is what God would have us to do. It is satisfying just to be loving. Can I get an amen? amen? Somebody, last one. It says it's not puffed up or proud. Now, I know these two kind of fit in the same area. It says that it doesn't parade itself and it's not puffed up. These two areas fit in the same space. But let me say this to you. Love conquers pride. Love conquers pride. Godly love does not need recognition, but rather has a purpose of life-giving quality. Godly love should not cause someone to see you, but, but rather the action. Anything else is called pride. Not only does the parade have to go away, but the pride has to be killed in us because this is not about you. It's never been about you. But the problem is the culture screams, but it needs to be about me. Me. Because we've created a culture of pain. Let me, let me just say this to you. Depression is at an all-time high in our country. It's not a state thing. It is a country thing. There are more suicides in our country on a daily space. And the number one statement that is said by people who tried to commit suicide and did not succeed, or they say this, they make this statement, I do not feel loved. I feel alone and rejected in this world. Who's going to fix it? Watch this. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, okay, that he gave. Stop. Where does God live? Inside of me, right? He dwells in the hearts of men and women. Amen? Am I, are, we all, are we all with me still so far? I'm just giving scripture. Okay. So he dwells. So God so loved the world that he gave. And if God dwells in me, then Brian so loved the world that he gave. And if he lives in Paul, then Paul so loved the world that he gave. Doesn't mean that Paul loves the people just he works with and he gets to talk to. Paul loves everybody. Paul loves everybody. I don't love everybody, Pastor. That's a problem. Because you should love everybody. Everybody, 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 and I'm going to keep saying it till you get it through your head, everybody, even the ones that are not as cool as you are, everybody, even the ones that are not as holy as you think you are, everybody, everybody. Well, what about this? This person's in sin. Love them even more because that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't participate in the sin, but he loved them in the middle of their sin because he became a reservoir or a, a safe space for them to run to so that they could hide under the shadows of the Almighty, so that they could be protected under him, so that they could learn about his ways and let their heart be transformed and let their lives be changed. Can I just say this to you just as a sidebar? God said love them. He didn't say change them. Yeah. Oh, God. We, we come to church and, and we feel like it's our duty to change people. No. It is your duty to love them with the love of God and let God do the rest. That's how he got you. Trust me, my mama didn't change me. Well, she did. I was little, though. Amen. Uh, that was a good one. It was quick. But my mama didn't change me when I was making mistakes. She couldn't. She couldn't tell me enough stuff. She had to learn how to love me in the midst of my stupidity, knowing that I was jacking it all up. Because I was jacked up from the neck up. I just was making stupid decisions. Stuff that I knew was contrary to the lifestyle I should be living. Stupid decisions. Stupid decisions. And they just kept loving me. Now, it doesn't mean that they didn't sternly give me advice. 
but they loved me through it. They didn't reject me. They didn't turn on me. I can't stand it. When I hear parents saying stupid things like this, I just, I can't take them anymore. So I just said, you know what? Go do you. So now where do they go? Because trust me, what you just told them, they went five steps deeper than you thought they were. Because the worst thing we can do is reject people. Why would we put them on their own island to isolate them and hope that they're going to come out of it? No, baby, because the moment they hit the water, they're going to drown. Love, love, the true godly love, loves people. But pastor, we're supposed to be a voice in the wilderness. What did John the Baptist say? There is one that is to come, one whose sandals I can't even buckle. I am a preparer of the way. I'm a preparer of the way. He didn't say he was a remover of people. He says, I'm a preparer of the way. In other words, here's the way. Walk in it. Here's the pathway. Man, you want peace? I got a pathway for you to walk on. You want joy? I got a pathway for you to walk on. You want freedom? You want liberty? You want to be, have the bondage of your life broken? I got a pathway to walk on. Whether you choose to walk on it is your choice, but I can tell you where it is. And I can tell you who will meet you on that path. And you might feel like you're all alone, but he'll show up. You might be there for a minute because he wants to see if you'll really commit to it. But I promise you, he's going to walk with you. But no, what we do now is like, if you're not on this path, you're going to hell. Well, why do we feel like it's our right to judge and to sentence those who do not have an understanding yet? It is amazing to me how we do that to people and then we call ourselves godly. The Bible says that he is the only judge. We are not. We are not the judge. He's the judge. We are to love. We are to love. Some of y'all looking at me because the old school church teaches that we're supposed to judge. Oh, you think I'm kidding with you? We're supposed to call out everyone's blunders. Can I ask you a question? How big would your photo album of blunders be? Because trust me, I have a whole library. But we'll be so quick. Oh, they're, they're a sinner. They're a sinner. Pastor, you can't let them. They're sinners. I had somebody serve in the church one time, and I went up to them, and I said, listen, I said, I want God's best for you. And I'm going to tell you the story for you. Don't judge me uh, what I'm about to bring up. And if you're in this predicament, don't, don't think I'm talking about you. But this young man came up to me and said, Pastor, I really want to serve in the church. I said, I'd love to do this in the church. I said, that's awesome. And I appreciate your heart to serve. But can we talk for a second? He said, yes, sir. I said, uh, I know, I know you and your girlfriend are in love. But where's the spirit of commitment? He just looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, I want the fullness of the blessings of God in your life. I want the fullness of the blessings of God in your life. He said, okay. I said, are you going to marry her or string her along? He said, well, I'm not sure. I said, okay. When you've made that decision, come back and talk to me. Because right now you're acting as husband and wife without a covenant. And before you go and judge what I just said, read the Bible. The Bible talks about covenant. It does not talk about quasi-commitments that are based on pleasure rather than love. The problem is, and this is something that I've learned over the years, that when we commit to relationships based on pleasure, and pleasure wears off, and there's no commitment... The relationship dies. Pastor, I thought they were the one. Uh Uh-uh. They weren't the one. Because you weren't committed in the covenant of godly marriage. You were committed in the emotion of a feel-good 
hoping that God would put his blessings on it. And I know this is unpopular teaching because everybody's just supposed to be accepting. And I'm being accepting. But my responsibility as pastor, your responsibility as a believer, is to show them the way. If they choose not to walk in it, that is a choice. Doesn't mean I stop loving you. Doesn't Listen, if you're in this room right now and you're in sin, I love you. I love you. It doesn't matter where you are in this life. But I have a responsibility as a believer, the one who, as, as a person that God has given revelation to, to say, hey, listen, there is a better way. Let me show it to you. Why? Because I want the fullness of God operating in your life. I want you to walk in the blessings of God, not the moments of pleasure. I want you to walk in the freedom that God brings. I want you to walk in the liberty and the joy that he brings to your life. So here is the way. Walk in it. In love. And if you're not sure how to walk on it, I'll walk with you until we understand how to do it. Pastor, I don't know how to do it. Come on, I'll walk with you until we get there. That's love. It's the same thing that Jesus does every day in your life when you come up short. And yet we deem, and I use that as a, I use that story as a space because we don't ever talk about it in the church anymore. But I use that as a space, but it doesn't matter because all of it's the same thing. My shortcomings can be your shortcomings. Your shortcomings can be my shortcomings. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's not an excuse to fall short, but to understand that the love of God is what draws us to repentance. And gives us the opportunity to come before him and call him Abba. There's got to be love back in the church again. Let me read this first part again to you. Love suffers long in its kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. I want to challenge you this week to live in just these verses, in just this part of scripture. I want to challenge you to be patient with people. I want to challenge you to be sweet to everybody. I want to challenge you to not be envious of what others have. And if you've got a hole in your world that creates envy, get rid of it. I want you to understand that you don't need a parade. God is proud of who you are. And I need you to understand that you need to let pride die so that the Savior can live. 